Welcome to the Next Level Show, a health and fitness podcast with a little bit of life. Hosted by Jonathan Alvarez, Gabriel Contreras, and Mike Nillis. We hope you enjoy this episode. All right, on this episode of the Next Level Show, we have the privilege of having Mr. Sal Stefano from Mind Pump. He is another co-host um, with over two decades of experience in fitness. Very uh, is a wealth of knowledge. I mean, the guy. I mean, articulates. I think Sal has photogenic memory. I think is a superpower. But I mean, the guy has been able to shine so much light on so many things. Studies on top of that. I mean, it's it's listening to him is like something like just going to school basically for me but sal i'm super excited to have you here man um how's everything going uh you know everything's great all things being considered it's kind of thank you by the way for for the kind words i appreciate that um it's we're you know luckily our business is is uh online based so we're gonna be pretty resilient i think to what's going on still a stressful time you know uh we're here in california california was one of the first places to do the, 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 you know, shelter in place. We're in Santa Clara County, which is one of the, what they consider one of the hot spots. Um, so we're probably going to be this way longer than most places. And I just, you know, I didn't anticipate the psychological effects of, you know, not being able to go different places. My kids always being home. They can't see their friends. Um, it's, it's kind of strange and interesting. I think it's a, it's a good time to, for personal growth. I think you're kind of forced into it but um i mean all those all things being considered everybody's healthy uh mind pump seems to be doing pretty good so uh you know i definitely feel blessed right now no it's awesome i mean i feel that i mean compared to compared to florida i mean we i can't imagine how things over there i mean we still have the a lot of freedom to be walking around and stuff so it's you know get some sun you know the beaches are actually starting to open up which i don't know if that's a good or a bad thing but I mean, it's some stuff is starting to come to normal. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sorry to hear that, but I hope everything starts to kind of progress in a positive over there. Yeah, I think it's uh, we have to be careful because um, overreaction is just as bad as underreaction in, in pretty much any circumstance. And just human nature, we're very easily scared. You know, humans are just we are uh, we have a bias towards fear. Um, and this obviously had a, a pretty important role in, you know, in our evolution. There's a reason why we're this way. If we lived in a small tribe for most of our time on Earth, which we did, and we heard something scary, it was smart to be afraid. Uh, the news was close. Somebody saw, this, you know, a bear or a lion or whatever. It was probably around your area because they're in your tribe. So you would just, you know, you would be a bias towards towards fear, and that was beneficial. Nowadays, it's a little different. We hear news from everywhere, and we hear a lot of individual stories which don't paint a really good uh, perspective. You know, like if I if I like look at the statistics, for example, on on this the pandemic, and I read about how it's affecting kids. Statistically speaking, it's not. It's not affecting kids bad at all. It's not dangerous at all for kids for the most part. That's not to say there aren't cases where it is, but for the most part, it's not something we need to, you know, necessarily worry about for our kids. But if I read an individual story about a kid in, you know, Montana that got it and died, uh, that can really invoke a lot of fear. And then our behaviors uh, tend to reflect that. And, you know, the cool thing about America is where we have a lot of different states. And so uh, I'll give you an example. The federal government put out no mandates for shelter in place. They, they gave recommendations, but they did not say 
you have you know there are no law federal laws that say you have to close this you have to close that you have to do that it's all up to the states and you can kind of see a bit of a clear divide between the uh, the Democrat and conservative states, so the liberal and the conservative states. Liberal states tend to put you know much stronger controls, they, you know much more rules, a little bit more of the draconian approach. The conservative states tend to be a little looser, value more individual freedom. Which one is the better approach? We will know. We'll be able to look back and compare apples to apples. Uh, after a long period of time, it's too short, too early to tell. I have my bets. I think I know which one's better. But uh, mm-hmm. at the end of this, we'll be able to look back and see which which approach was better in the long term. All things being considered, so we'll see. We'll see what, 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 if you know who overreacted, who underreacted, and who made the right decisions. No, I'm, I, it's going to be something to look back in a couple of years from now and definitely be able to see that. Before I forget, because Gabe's going to scold me after this episode if I don't ask this. Uh, we all we 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 talked about on the show joking around about like pet peeves that we know that aren't really a big deal if we're very objective with ourselves. Get my for example is if I see a, a one the sink's empty. There's they, someone leaves me one dish there. Wasn't able just to wash <laughs> one dish. It's really not a big deal. I could easily just wash it. But Gabe's is if he goes to an, an office space in his work environment and no one's they don't zero out the microwave. That just like irks oh, him. I see. What's, What's <laughs> what's one pet peeve that you know that is really not really a big deal, but it gets you? Oh wow, that's good. I uh, mean, let me think about that. What gets on my nerves? You know, it's it's oh, this is an it's just it's so stupid too. If I call someone and they don't answer, I, I mean, it's so <laughs> dumb, right? Because I never answer. <laughs> but if I call someone and they don't answer, I'm always like, "The hell's wrong with you? Answer the phone. You're so annoying." And then. And, you know, Jessica. I have a family member like I have a family member <laughs> like that, that does that every time. I just we stop calling him just because it's, it's a never answer type thing. It's just a better of texting. Yeah, well, so, especially now, like you're not doing nothing. You're home. You're you know where where you at, right? Oh, uh, pick up the, well, the, the phone is right next to you. The worst is when someone calls you and you miss it and you call them right back, gone. Ah. Uh. You know what I mean? My mom does that. Yeah, it's like they call That's my you. Mom. It's like they call you and then they, you don't answer and then they throw their phone, you know? And then yeah. they, it doesn't make any sense to me. Well, they threw it because they're mad because you didn't pick it up. You know what? That's a good point. I could be just <laughs> interacting with someone as big of an asshole as myself with that. <laughs> but yeah, we just wanted to ask a pet peeve. And I always forget this because once I'm in like the podcast mode, I kind of just get excited and go through everything. But I wrote it there and made sure that I asked. I was going to forget, but did you um, ask, uh, did you ask Adam that question? No. And I didn't ask Justin. Yeah. Oh, so like, yeah, I forgot. Gabe, Gabe kept asking me like, I'm like, Gabe, send me the notes. Let me put it at the beginning. Right. Cause I don't have it written here. So if I don't have it written, I'm going to forget. Oh yeah. You should have asked oh, yeah. Adam. He's like, he's the most irritable person here by far. So he, I'm sure he could have given you a <laughs> list would, of yeah. hundreds. <laughs> pet peeves. Yeah. It'll be a full podcast on all of his pet peeves. Oh, dude, he's he gets irritable like like uh, like he's PMSing or something. <laughs> so, Sal, just a little for I mean, a lot of people I feel are going to be following, you know, this episode from from your side. Uh, but for our listeners that may not know much about you, what's a quick little backstory? How you got into fitness? Um, kind of like what led you to in, into this space? Oh, I mean, I started working out when I was a kid. Uh, I fell in love with it real young. I was 14 years old and, you know, I wanted to build muscle because I was a skinny kid. Um, and, uh, I fell in love with the practice of it. I loved the fact that it was something that I could do and I could, 
uh, see and feel change. It, it, you know, it was it worked really well with my personality, which is you know control what I can and then try to ignore or forget what I can't control. So fitness was perfect. It was like I don't I'm skinny. I want to build muscle. Here's something I can do. I can work hard at it, and I could achieve uh, results out of it. So I fell in love with it right away. And I also love people. I love talking with people. I love discussing things with people. I love teaching. I love learning, asking questions. So it just seemed like a perfect marriage to put, you know, my my passion for fitness with my passion for people. And um, I I probably, I would say a year after I started working out, I was pretty sure that I wanted to be in, in something related to exercise. I knew I had to do that as a career. And at first I thought I wanted to be a physical therapist because I was really the only like career I could think of related to exercise uh, in, in resistance training. I had no idea that you could make a career out of being a personal trainer or, you know, running gyms. So um, that's what I wanted to do at the age of 18. And by, by this, at this point I'm working out in gyms and I see that there's trainers and stuff. And I thought, wow, what a great, what a great place to work while I pursue, uh, you know, my education towards physical therapy. I thought it was a great way to put my foot in the door, so to speak, um, while going to school. So at the, as soon as I turned 18, I went to the gym that I, I worked out at, and um, I asked for the manager. Manager comes out, and I got hired right there on the spot. I did my spiel or whatever. Became a personal trainer. And, you know, there was a – it was the first time I'd ever experienced – doing something where I felt like this is what I'm supposed to do. Like, and that, I've experienced that three times in my life where if you've experienced this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's like you, you do something and it just feels, uh, natural. It feels like you're, you're doing what you were meant to do. And it was really the first time. I mean, up until this point, you know, I'd, I'd been going to school, high school and high school was boring super not stimulating. Um, you know, I just, I showed up and, you know, did what I was supposed to and left. It wasn't a big deal. But as soon as I got in the gym and I got my first, you know, assessment, it was like, this is what I'm supposed to do. Very, very, uh, quick, um, rise, uh, to notoriety in the company that I worked out was 24 hour fitness. Uh, I think the first day I, I, I took assessments as a kid, I think I did, I sold more training in that day than the top trainer had sold all month. And, Everybody was like, what are you doing? And are you lying to people? How's this happening? And it <laughs> continued. Um, and within four months, I was a, a manager of the trainers. I was a fitness manager. Loved it. Um, and this was, let's see, this was 1997, I want to say. And I was proje- I was making about, uh, as a managed fitness manager, I was bringing in $6,000, $7,000 a month in my own personal income, which I didn't really have a, a good uh, – I didn't have a like a gauge for what was good good money. I was a kid. I was 18 years old. I had no idea. It felt like it was you know good money. It was much more than the money I made you know washing dishes at the pizzeria. But uh, I just didn't really know. I had no concept. You know, you're kind of uh, naive as a kid. So I was just doing that and um, you know living with my parents. And um, you know it was time to start going to college to uh, to pursue physical therapy. And you know when you first start going to college, you have to do the, kind of the general ed classes you got to take some math and some you know English or whatever and you know I sat down uh, no joke I took uh, I, I did two classes before I realized this was not for me and I don't mean two full classes 
I mean, I sat down twice, and I knew <laughs> no way. Like I sat in class, and the teacher's doing the thing, and I'm I'm just just so incredibly unstimulated. It was torture, and I left, and I was like, this is. I, how am I going to do this? And I talked to my general manager who ended up becoming one of my, my good friends, my first mentors. He was young also. I think he was, if I was 18, he was 20, I want to say 23. And I sat down with him and he's like, how was school? And I'm like, dude, I can't, I hate it. It's so boring. And he goes, what did you want to be again? I said, physical therapy. And he goes, let me see your paycheck. So I showed him and he goes, you know, you're making more than a lot of physical. This Again, remember this is 1997. He goes, you're making like more than physical therapists are. And I said, I am. Wow. And he goes, yeah, you know, physical therapy, you graduate right now from college and you get a job, you're making like 50, 60 grand a year. You're already making more than they are. And I, I had, I was, it blew me away. And he goes, you sure you want to do that? Like, why are you pursuing that? And then he showed me his paycheck. He was a general manager and he was, you know, projecting to make a hundred and I think it was 105 or 110 grand. Again, this was back in 97. So it was a ton of money. And I looked at it, and I was like, God, that's crazy. I said, I love doing this. I said, is this a career? And he goes, yeah, dude, you, the fitness space, you could build a career, whatever. So I said, you know, my parents aren't going to be too happy if I tell them I just want to do this. And he says, invite me over for dinner, and I'll talk to my, your parents. So this, this guy's name was Don, one of my, my, again, one of my first mentors. He was an exceptional closer. The dude could communicate. And I knew if I brought him home and he <laughs> talked to my parents that he would probably do a good job. So we invited him over. We sat down. We had this conversation. He showed my parents his paycheck. And he said, look, here's the deal. Like, Sal's, you know, really talented. He's, you know, one of the best we've ever seen, whatever, blah, blah, blah. He'll be a general manager in no time. It's a great career. And so I told my parents, I said, why don't you guys give me a year? I'll take a year, try this out. And if it doesn't work out, I'll just go back to school. And my parents totally agreed. They said, yeah, it sounds like a, a good idea. Give it a shot. Never looked back, obviously. I, I, I went that. I did that. By the time I was 19, I was managing my first gym, and that was it. I was sold. I knew I wanted to work in the fitness industry. I never wanted to do anything else. I don't want to be in a clinical setting, you know, rehabbing people. I wanted to be in gyms where people were proactive, love the environment, and that was it. I, I did that forever. The, the, the second time I felt like uh, I got that feeling that I knew this is what I was supposed to do is when I became a manager, when I had people under me. And uh, I remember giving my first uh, all staff meeting. I was, uh, again, I was 19 as a general manager at this point. So as a fitness manager, my staff was maybe, uh, let's see, I think I had 13 trainers working under me. As a general manager, I had a staff of like 35. And I remember I had, you know, I, I walked into my first club that was mine, scheduled an all staff meeting. I pulled out a chair and I stood on the chair, did my first all staff meeting. And I was like, oh yeah, this is what I'm supposed to do. Did that for a while. And then I, uh, I think I was 21. Um, I think I was 21. I left, uh, the, the big box gym business and I, uh, bought ownership of a gym with uh, a partner of mine. So then I became a, a business owner. That was cool. Then went back to corporate fitness because I sold that. I realized I don't like working for people. I need autonomy. I need to be able to do my own thing. Uh, and, you know, entrepreneurs, by the way, if you're an entrepreneur and you're listening, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Entrepreneur is the only person in the world that will work 80 hours a week so that they don't work 40 hours a week. It's just, uh, it just doesn't yeah. make sense sometimes. Like I, I hated working for other people. Got to work for myself. 
So I left that, opened up a personal training studio, did that for a while. Uh, I love that. Didn't make a ton of money doing that. It was a lot of learning, a lot of learning about uh, wellness and health. And I worked with doctors and wellness experts, and I just absorbed as much as I possibly could. Um, and then, um, you know, I, I, uh, at some point I trained Doug, who's our producer. He convinced me to create a product so we could market it online. And the third time I felt like uh, that feeling where I knew I was supposed to do what I was doing was when I got on camera. Doug said, you need to present the, pro the product that we made, which at the time was Maps Anabolic, on camera. You need to talk to the camera. And the first time I did it, I was like, whoa. And I never I had no experience, of course, doing anything like that. And I knew, like, this is what I need to do. Uh, I, I had that feeling again. And, um, you know, l later met Adam, and then we put together Mind Pump, and that's it. That's where we're at now. So it's been a journey. Um, and, of course, hindsight's twenty twenty. Every step along the way was has led me to uh, what I'm doing right now. It's what developed me into the person I am today. It's what uh, the voice that you hear on the microphone is all based off of those years of experience talking fitness to clients and learning how to communicate it properly and managing people and understanding how to sell my ideas and present myself all of that is just culminated into now what we're doing now so it's it's been a lot of fun for sure no that's awesome i really relate to the story of just at the very beginning you didn't even know that you could make a, a career in personal training or in fitness in general i had the same thing when i signed up for my first actual membership I was 18, 19 years old. I just would see some trainers there in a small gym that I was working, but I didn't know that's that's what they did. That was like a job. I thought they were just hanging out and helping people and friends. And I was going down the physical therapy route. So I'm thinking, what can I do that revolves around exercise that I can get a, make a living, make my, my parents proud? I went to school. But once I got my associates, I went and interned at a physical therapy clinic and I did, you know, my first, I did a year of just working there of, you know, helping rehab. So I got to work under, you know, professionals with pain management and, you know, uh, to get people better correctional exercise. And it was ironically enough is when I found out when I found mind pump in somebody was listening to it in the break room and you guys had just started, it was like, you're, I think you had only like six episodes out. And mm -hmm. then I'm just, I heard something that you guys said that like struck a chord. I'm like, yeah, man, what are you listening? I didn't even know podcast even wasn't a thing there. And I see, you know, three guys, personal trainers for years, you know, very successful. And I just like motivate. I'm like, I got to get back into a gym setting. This is actually a thing. I can do this. And then I just left the uh, left the, the, the clinic. I started just training on my own on the side before I went into a franchise. I, I just did it as a side thing. I was still working a normal job. And eventually I went full in a couple of years ago and haven't looked back since. And here we are. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, when you. Here's the thing, too. I mean, the fitness space if, if is not uh, – I, I wouldn't say it's the easiest to make a, a good living. Uh, it's not like finance um, or, you know, technology. However, if you, if you really have a passion for something, you're just more likely to really apply yourself fully. And I, I believe that really applying yourself fully in, a, in one space is probably going to yield you better results than – you know, not applying yourself fully in another space, even if that other space may have a lot more potential for success. And also it's how you define success. I mean, I'll be quite honest with you. Um, I could make, you know, you could pay me a million dollars a year and in, in, in like finance, for
for and I know because I did finance for a quick second. You could pay me a lot of money to do that, and it just that's not how I would define success. It would be, I wouldn't feel any purpose or meaning. It wouldn't be inspiring. I'd you know yeah I'd still work with people, so that's cool, but totally different. I mean I did that for a second. I went and uh, I got a when I left the the gym business the first time, I wanted to open up a supplement store. Um, this was, uh, I want to say 2000 and I don't remember, I was 20, maybe 21. And, um, I thought, why don't I get a job that's like nine to five so that after work I could focus on opening up the supplement store. What job could I get? That's going to pay me a good salary. And, uh, I went to a bank and, uh, I had no banking or finance experience, but I'm, you know, I can sell. So I sat in front of the dude, the, the dude interviewing me and I sold them on hiring me as a, as a premier banker is what the position was. Mm-hmm. and it fucking sucked i mean they <laughs> they paid me you know really good i got a great salary and you know it was banker's hours so i wasn't even nine to five it was like nine to three but i sat in the in the bank and there wasn't music going on in the background you know when you're working in the gym you got music going on in the background you got people working out i'm loud you know i'm just a loud person that doesn't work well for the bank so i'd be sitting in there i hear the air conditioning everybody's uh. kind of talking <laughs> like this, you know, and everybody's, you know, moving a little slower. And if I talk to a customer and I got excited, I get a little loud. And then the other bankers would, you know, they'd look at me and be like, hey, you know, keep <laughs> it down. I'd be like, oh, fuck, man. I'd look at the clock and be like, when is it going to be lunchtime? So I could walk out of this depressing and I had to wear a suit every day with the thing yeah. tied around my neck. And I was just like, hell no. So I actually stayed long enough to get my my licenses, uh, my Series 6 and Series 63 licenses, because I, I wanted to, I don't want to leave before I got that, because I, I, you know, I, I felt kind of bad, so I said, eh, at least let me show them that I, I can pass these tests. As soon as I passed them, I told them, I can't do this, man. <laughs> Get out of here. This is killing me, you know? So, uh, you know, and, you know, some of us are built that way. I, you know, I guess some other people can kind of do things they don't necessarily like, so they can do the stuff that they do like, but I'm just not built that way, man. It, it's it's uh it's it's hard. It's like torture. I got to do what I love. You know what I mean? And and I love this. I love it. And so this is what I'm gonna do. No, absolutely. I think that's super important for someone listening. I mean, if you love fitness, a lot of the people that are obviously checking out a, a fitness based podcast. I mean, there is. I tell people like, I mean, it's very challenging. It's not. You know, it's you don't start and out automatically have you know twenty thirty clients. On, in your book, you know, it's the first, you know, the first year is typically the most challenging for a lot of trainers just to build that clientele, you know, learning a lot. I mean, everything's very new. And I think, but it's, it's like, I, like, you know, Sal says, it's very fulfilling. You know, there's something about it that, you know, you can't put, you know, necessarily just a number on it. It's, and you, and the fun, the best part that we live in a time now where you can, you can do a lot. And I think before, like maybe technology wasn't there yet, but now we live in a time where if you use it, you know, in a good way, I mean, you can go very, very far with it. Oh yeah. I mean, and look, here, look, I had this, I had this debate a long time ago with someone, some of the hardest working people uh, you'll ever meet. And what I mean by hard work, I don't mean the work is laborious necessarily. Um, I think when people think hard work, they think, oh, it's something that sucks. Like you're, you're breaking rocks or something like that. No, I mean the people who really put, their soul and effort into what they do right some of the hardest working people you'll ever meet are volunteers people who don't get paid a dime because volunteers are doing it because they want to there's meaning there's purpose behind it you know go meet somebody who 
volunteers in the Peace Corps or somebody who volunteers to feed the homeless or to clean up the environment or whatever cause, you know, save animals, meet those people and you'll find a lot of times some of the hardest working people ever. And that's a lesson for, for everybody. You know, um, it's, you know, money, we need money. We need to take care of ourselves. But, uh, you know, what, at what point do you, are you done with, you know, at what point do you have enough stuff, you know? And so, uh, that's something that I realized uh, for myself. Now, I mean, for you know, luckily, for you know myself and my partners, that has turned into uh, monetary success as well. So we we're, we're able to get both. But I mean, we show up to work every day, and it's uh, we love it every day. We love it. the worst day here is better than the best day. Uh, I had uh, doing other stuff. So uh, again, I, I'm, I'm, I have tons of gratitude for what I do. And we, you know, we really, really, really uh, remind ourselves uh, of what, why we love what we do so much. And it's uh, because we get to impact people positively. We get to grow ourselves uh, personally. I love podcasting is a great way to grow. There's I love no- it. There's nothing like uh, hearing yourself talking uh, on a long recording about things uh, that'll help you with your self-awareness. You know, when something's record, you know, you ever have those arguments with people or discussions and the person says, yeah, you sounded like an asshole or you sounded like you're egotistical and you know, your own memory's like, no, I'm not. You're, you're an asshole. I sounded great. Whatever. When you have yourself recorded, you know, yeah. on a long podcast and then you listen uh-huh. to it, it, there's nothing like it. Cause you could listen to it and be like, oh yeah, I do kind of sound like a dick. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I should change that. So it's just, a, it's a great tool for, for self-reflection if you use it the right way. No, absolutely. And I kind of wanted to take a little bit of a turn here for you, Sal. Um, I heard you on another, on an interview that you had, I think it was one of the people that was connected with Bishop Barron. Yeah. Um, it was one of your more your recent episodes you dropped. Um, I found it super interesting because, you know, I you do share some of these beliefs as well. And I think it's, and it's more so coming from you because I know where from the beginning where your, where your thoughts were and you were very vocal about what you thought and to see you go through that journey, uh, what we, you know, we say the spiritual journey, you know, how did, what, what kind of got you there? Cause I know you're very factual. You love information. You love data, I feel, but you're not completely closed off to listening to, anecdote i think is how we can say it for people you know through the centuries you know the stuff that we have maybe that hasn't been proven by science necessarily mm-hmm. but you're you allowed yourself to kind of go down that path what what provoked that what was like what was that like well okay so you're referring to uh, you know kind of my spiritual journey and when i started the podcast i was a pretty uh, vocal atheist um you i mean you could hear it in my old episodes we talk about it and i'd make fun of religion and I talk a lot about you know uh, science or whatever by the way some of the most informed people on religion are atheists um, mm. atheists tend to become atheists because they explore uh, religion quite carefully so I'm not saying that they have the answers I'm just saying that they tend to be very uh, educated on religion and history and that kind of stuff uh, because it, because they went down that journey and they've decided for themselves that you know, They've read the Bible sometimes more than the own Christian people or the people that say they believe. It's interesting. Right. Now, I, I developed this practice a long time ago where if I develop a strong opinion about something, I'll seek out the opposing opinions uh, and I'll seek out the people that argue it the best. And then I'll try to debate them, uh, not because I'm trying to beat them. So my goal isn't to beat you. 
Uh, that's part of it. I want to see how strong my opinion holds up and if I can stand the test of, of debate. Good debate, not argument. That's stupid. When people argue and that's that you're not you're not trying to learn anything. I, I would try to I try to debate people on the opposite side of my opinion because I want to see um, if I if my opinion can stand the test of debate against somebody who is really good on the other side. And I love that because either I come out with it with a stronger uh, way of communicating my opinion because you talk to people who agree with you. You know, you don't need to have a great case. You don't need to be able to present yourself well. If you both agree, then, you know, what's the big deal? You know, debate somebody who doesn't believe what you believe, but is also but is intelligent, educated, doesn't get angry, and will counter you in a very, very smart way. And you are going to have to present yourself very, very well, or you're going to get convinced. Okay? So that means you have to be open to being convinced. So I go into debates, and my attitude literally is, uh, let's see if you can convince me. If you can, thank you. If you can't, also thank you. Let's see. Let's have this discussion. So I'd always engage uh, in, in opinion in this. And, you know, in the fitness space, I think you're going to find – in fact, uh, surveys actually show this. They actually prove this, but – the fitness and health space, you're going to find uh, a good percentage of people who are interested in uh, spiritual uh, topics and growth. Um, it's, it's actually natural for people who are interested in personal growth through health and wellness to eventually seek out uh, spiritual growth. It's just a natural uh, progression. And, you know, it comes in a lot of different forms. It could be uh, Christianity. It could be, you know, other major religions. Buddhism can be re- tends to be really big in the yoga, wellness space, uh, crystals, um, seeking out, um, you know, spiritual growth through psychedelic use. You know, you'll see a lot of people in the fitness space talk about using things like ayahuasca and mushrooms, not to party, but rather to grow spiritually. It's just natural. If you are interested in, in growth and in personal growth through fitness, and you already have that growth minded attitude, because remember, if you're somebody that's dedicated to working out, it means you have at least to some extent, a personal growth attitude. If I'm out of shape, if I if I'm you know skinny or fat or you know bad for whatever, I dedicate and discipline myself to working out and eating right because I know that I can, you know, uh, make an impact. So I, I I'm at least growth minded. So this is common in the fitness space. Okay, so I, I was definitely very growth oriented. I also have that attitude of I'm open to opposing opinions. But at this point, I was a very strong uh, atheist. I had definitely dived into it. I'd read um, God is Not Great, which was a, a, you know, it's like a atheist Bible, if you will. And I decided religion was bad and, you know, this and that. And I would go online and debate people and discuss these types of things. And, you know, there were a couple times where I kind of got shook a little bit. Like there was one time where I was on this, having this debate with people who were arguing the value of religion. And I'd said something like, um, you know, religion has caused, you know, more wars and deaths than anything else in the history of the world. And the guy said, well, the 20th century actually was the bloodiest in all of human history. More people died in the 20th century. And that was caused by uh, people who were not, uh, it wasn't religious-based, it was ideology-based. You had communism, Nazism. In fact, communism is anti-religion. It's, it's, uh, it goes hand-in-hand hand with you know, getting rid of any other ruler. And uh, I, ca- I thought, oh, yeah, that's a really good, that's a really good point. 
I thought that was very interesting. And then he said, you know, that uh, that the, the Pope at the time played an important role in, in overthrowing communism. He was referring to Pope John Paul's speech uh, in a communist country. He actually got people to to chant, I want uh, freedom, very dangerous thing to do at that time. And I looked that up and I said, oh, this is this is kind of interesting. And but, you know, I still stick with stuck in my thing. He didn't really fully convince me, but it got me to open up a little bit. Um, so I started to kind of open up to the potential value of religion. Um, then I, I, you know, at the time I had become very um, into the economics. Uh, I love economics, one of my passions. I got into um, you, you know, the concept of liberty. Okay, so the concept of liberty says that each person, and it's, by the way, this wasn't expressed perfectly uh, when, it, when we first tried to apply this, but it was expressed. Uh, it still was expressed. And the con- to the point where it's in our, it's how we wrote our government, right? The concept of liberty is this idea that every person has in what are called inalienable rights, okay? We're born with them. And we're born with them, and this is the this comes from the founders of the of, of the Constitution or the American uh, American ideals. Mm-hmm. We're born with them because God gave them to us, and it's very well known that the the founders were very religious. And I thought, oh, you know, I never gave that a second thought. I, to me, I, I took it for granted. I thought, yeah, liberty—it's a great idea. Obviously, look at what all this amazing thing that's produced. But then I thought to myself, and I said, wait a minute, that's a crazy idea. If you think about it, it's a crazy idea. For all of human history, we had rulers, and all of human history. Nobody had equal the equal rights was a was a weird and crazy idea. You were you were a king or you were a, a you know an aristocrat or a peasant or a slave. You know equal equal inalienable rights like that's a that's a crazy idea. How in the heck did leaders who have all the power decide that that was a good idea for everybody? It's like they're giving away all of their power. I mean, that's a that's an insane idea if you if you think about it. Absolutely. And so I thought, wow. Well, it was religion that gave them this idea. In 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 this case, in particular, it was the Judeo Christian ideal that uh, man was made in God's image. So that right there, and when you believe in something, uh, you know, metaphysical, um, then uh, you apply things that uh, to life that may not at the time seem uh, like it's not the way things were done ever. So people believed in a God. God in the Bible says all men are create, you know, all men uh, are born in the, in the image of God. Therefore, they have inalienable rights. And they believed it so much that they, you know, George Washington wins the revolution. And everybody says, you know, please be our king. And he said, no, crazy. Who the hell would have done that? Right. Because yeah. he was very, very religious. So then I thought, well, there is some value. Uh, we did. We have gotten some value out of uh out of religion and then i thought okay this is interesting so fast forward and uh i stumble upon um jordan peterson who um uh, brilliant speaker the way he's very intellectual the way he presents things i think are amazing um i don't necessarily agree with everything he says but i like the way he presents certain things and he does these talks on religion and he doesn't do them from the metaphysical standpoint so he's not talking about you know this this mystical god or you know all this stuff he's just saying hey here's the value in it this is why it's humans have found it so valuable and he said something about the evolution of ideas 
Now, I had never really thought about this. It's obvious when you think about it, but for some reason I'd never considered it. We believe, we understand evolution. It's, it's, uh, I think evolution is obvious. Um, I don't know how far it applies, but for sure it exists. You know, like we see bacteria evolve, viruses evolve, we evolve as humans. And the way evolution typically works is traits that work stick around. Traits that don't work tend to fall off. And over time, we are the way we are because this version of us is beneficial. Um, and the old versions are no longer beneficial. And that makes sense from a, a physiological, biological standpoint. I, I, it's obvious. I can see that. Never considered the evolution of ideas. But duh, of course, as humans, we're social. We, 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 you know, we, we write down history. We learn off of That's what makes humans amazing. It's not that we're smart. We are smart. But really what it is is we're able to record ideas and build upon them. You know, like all the stuff that I do is built upon the shoulders of other giants and, and so on. This is how science and everything works. So ideas evolve too. And the stuff that we have, the cultures that we have, the practices that we have, they evolved over time because they were better. Old, you know, other ideas didn't, didn't work so good, right? So I thought, well, religion is practiced by everybody, uh, you know, all over the world. It's, been, it's practiced in every corner of the world. There's, there's certain ideas that seem to be echoed in all these major religions that almost had no contact with each other, right? So you talk about like the golden rule, treat others as you'd like to be treated. That's a pretty universal idea in most mm -hmm. religions that don't, you know, have any, uh, you know, otherwise have no contact or anything with each other. Uh, the, the idea of, uh, you know, I don't know how you want to put it, abstinence or disconnecting from material things or that's a very common idea, right? Like, uh, you know, in Christianity, they, you know, they'll talk about the seven deadly sins. In Buddhism, they talk about detachment from material things for enlightenment. And so you think, okay, is there value in that? Of course, there's tons of value. I mean, look at modern times. Here we are, and uh, we can have access to any food that we want. So I'll go, I'll go to, I'll take it to a, a fitness context. We can have any food we want, any flavor we want. We can enjoy the hell out of the hedonistic value of food. Uh, does that mean we should do that? Of course not. It turns into obesity and illness. So there's value in discipline and abstinence, right? Is there value in that with any other pleasures? Yeah, sex, drugs. Is there value in hard work? Absolutely, you know? And this is, again, echoed. So he would talk about this kind of stuff, and I was like, wow, okay. There's a lot of wisdom in uh, religion. Now, I, at this point, I, I, was, I, I didn't have the belief in the metaphysical aspect of it. All I had at this point now, I'm just thinking, I can see value. And what it did is it opened me up. So at this up until that point, or up until I started opening up, I thought I had no interest in learning about the value of religion because I thought I had no value. I thought it was stupid and whatever. But now I started to say, oh, wait, there's some value there. I wonder if I could squeeze out some of that value. I don't need to believe in God. I just need to look at it and look at the wisdom in it, right? So I'm watching videos on Jordan Peterson, and there was a video that popped up where a guy named Bishop Barron talks about Jordan Peterson. So I thought, oh, all right, let's see what this guy says. Bishop Barron presents himself exceptionally well, very smart man. He's, obviously, he's, a, he's a Catholic bishop. He's obviously a strong Christian, but he's very open to communicating and answering any question. He's not. He, he doesn't come across as a dogmatic exclusionary person very inclusive like come in let's talk about these ideas let's do this in a, in a in a civil way 
And so it just uh, it really attracted me. So I started watching his videos, and I thought, you know what? You know, Mind Pump is a health podcast. Health is a lot of different things. We tend to focus on fitness and nutrition because that's our expertise. We don't have expertise in other areas. But other areas are important, like your, your, your fiscal habits, how you handle your money. That's a, that's a part of your health. Relationships with your partner and your kids, that's a part of health. Um, uh, you know, sleeping patterns, that's a part of health. Uh, spiritual health. Is, and by the way, su- studies support this. This is not, this is proven, okay, with, with, with scientific studies. So, but all of these are, are a part of health. So I said, we should have interviewed Bishop Barron because he talks so well um, and he does such a good job. And, you know, he's, he's doing really well on new media. I think this would be a good interview to talk about spiritual health from his perspective. And then maybe we'll get some other people on, but he really piqued my interest. So we, we, scheduled an interview with Bishop. I contacted them. They were super open. I told them, hey, I think this will be valuable to our audience. They're all growth-minded. You know, maybe for you, you can convert some people, but that's not the goal. Our goal is to talk about spiritual health and the value, and, you know, you're really open to answering whatever questions, so I'm going to ask you hard questions. And he goes, no, let me, you know, they said, no, please do, whatever. Um, Some of them just so happened to listen to Mind Pump, which was perfect. So we get there. We interview Bishop Barron. you know, his staff, two of them like, were like more buff than, than, than Adam, Justin, or I. Father Steve is this, this priest who's jacked. He listens to the show, loves to, you know, lift weights. That's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, and, and everybody there is super cool, you know. And so we have this great conversation with Bishop Barron. And, um, you know, I left feeling um, a bit uh, moved. I felt very moved and I started to become. A little bit more. He said something very interesting on on that. I think it was that first podcast. He said, "There's, you know, because I brought up the question, the, the the problem of science. Like, well, which one is it, science or religion?" And he says, "That's a. I mean, I'm paraphrasing. He says it much better than I do, but he's like, that's a silly question." He goes, "Science is extremely valuable. It's a valuable tool. Scientific truth is important. Spiritual pr- truth is also very important." He goes. Can you go to a, an art gallery and, and and use science to judge which art impacts you the most? He goes, no, of course not. He goes, there's artistic truth also. He goes, religion is the study of spiritual wisdom and truth. And I thought, wow, of course, that's bro. Why? How could I could not possibly apply science to learning about all these different truths? That's a it's the wrong tool. Doesn't make any sense. So I, I, I became more open and, you know, today I don't, I, I don't know if I could consider myself a Christian or say I'm a, a Christian, but it's definitely pulling me in that direction. I'm definitely much more open to it. And I do attend church and I do it very open-minded. I like to hear the, the way they speak. I like to hear the, some of the lessons. Um, and, uh, and so it's been a, a, a pretty interesting, uh, valuable journey. But, you know, I tell you what, I think if you're open you know, worst case scenario, nothing happens. Best case scenario, you grow and you change into a different person. That's the best case scenario. It takes you on a different path completely. We're going to go ahead and I'll, I'll make sure that Mike puts this in the show notes, the link to that episode. I heard that one. It was phenomenal. I think that you guys had a lot of good feedback from that one, even from people that necessarily weren't 
pulled into going into that round, but they, they got a lot of value because like you're saying, it doesn't like what kind of got you there was that you were started extracting and seeing the value from healthy practices and how it encompassed and everything into health, overall health and wellness. Um, it wasn't just, you know, the physical, but also the mental and the spiritual aspect of it. It all tied together. Yeah. He said something too. That was really interesting. It's totally true. By the way, this is a hundred percent true. Uh, everybody worships something. This is a big, this is a big thing. Okay. So people who are like, ah, you know, God is, is not real and that's phony or whatever. And it's so stupid to worship anything. It's like, okay, you can say, believe what you want about other people's beliefs. That's totally fine. Of course. I think that's important that we do that, but don't fool yourself into thinking you don't worship something. Your highest value is what you worship. And the way you worship it is through your actions, okay? So if, you're, if you worship money, all your actions go towards that. If you worship family, all your actions go to that. If you worship pleasure, all your actions – and the most common things people worship are what? Pleasure, uh, money, honor. I forgot some of the other ones. There's, there's, like the, there's some very, very common ones, you know, um, but you worship something. It's just your top value. And if you know, you can deny it all you want, but if you look at your actions, you can clearly look at your actions and be like, what's the common value that I tend to move towards all the time? So here's the objective, non-metaphysical argument for why God may be the best thing to worship. Because I can't think of anything else that we would could potentially deem as perfect. Okay, so what I mean by that is the idea of God, whether you believe in God or not, the idea of God is this perfect entity that is all loving, all forgiving, all knowing, um, absolute perfect. Is there anything else that you can think of? Not even your family, your kids, your wife, all good things. Nothing else is perfect. So objectively speaking, if you worship God, perfect then you're going to always strive to be better and there will never you're not going to be left let down there's there's no letting down from that if you worship imperfect you're going to be let down worst case scenario what you worship you eventually uh get to and when you get to it you 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 realize that it's not giving you what you want a good example would be like the worship of uh, of money oh, if i could just if I could just be rich enough, you never get there. You never get, yep. it's like, it's like drinking water that makes you thirstier. You know, yep. oh, if I could just have enough women, you know, oh, if I could just have enough cars or if I could just have enough followers, you never, if I could just get buffed enough, you'll never get there. It's yep. a, <laughs> no, find anybody who has those, who worships those things and you'll see that they're constantly you know, thirsty for it. Uh, what a terrible feeling. And it causes a lot of problems for people. A lot of emptiness, I feel, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, uh, but yeah, that's an interesting topic for me because it's a new, it's a newer place uh, that I'm kind of, you know, uh, I guess moving towards. And it's, it's I'll, you know, it's, it's, in, it's, what's the word I want to use? It's, uh, it's adding to uh, my life for sure. It's adding a lot of really good, things and perspective so uh it's not bad it's it's so far it's been uh, very good no i think yeah, that's that, uh, go ahead Gabe. 
yeah, I'm sorry. That, going back to the, you know, your uh, episode with uh, Bishop Barron, I took a lot from that. Um, and, I'm, and, and it was coming from uh, my point of view, which I am a Catholic. Right? So I grew up with uh, going to church. And it, funny enough, I, I don't think I did my confirmation, though, <laughs> now that I think about it. Whoops. So I guess I got to back, go back for that. But I think by the t- when the time that that episode came out, I was uh, my oldest was, in, was going, doing her communion. So we were doing to Sunday school. Uh, she was doing Sunday school, but also they were doing, uh, the parents had to do like a Sunday school themselves. Like while she was doing that, they put all the parents in a room to kind of like uh, talk about, um, uh, you know, about just religious stuff or how to communicate that to your kids. Um, I think they even ran through Love and Logic with that. Oh, yeah, uh, that was good. That you were doing that. Um, but yeah, it just helped to, I think for me, it helped to rejuvenate, I guess, the uh, the sense or the religious aspect in my life. Because uh, w- while we do go every now and then to church, uh, a habit that we di- did instill with our kids is just uh, every night we, we make sure we pray together as a family, um, have a little prayer that we do. And uh, it just, I, I felt like, you know, I, I got a lot from that coming from a different point of view. Um, and then with your, uh, something that, that was mentioned about uh, either science or religious or religion, I've always felt like, well, why do you have to pick one? Why can't you just do both? Yeah. Like, why can't, you know, there's, a, you know, sure, this was the science, but there could be religious aspects that were kind of like, you know, taken from there or or used to explain the science from back then. So I, I never understood as to why you have to pick one or the other. Yeah, si- science is um, science without morality. So, uh, you know, we could, we could say religion, um, but we'll just say morality more generally. Science without uh, a fundamental uh, uh, foundation of morality, very dangerous. It's a very, and it's only because the, the, the strength of science then becomes its downfall. So what's the strength of science? And I'm a huge science uh, fan. I love science. I love scientific study. Uh, obviously, it's one of the most powerful tools. The scientific method is one of the most powerful tools that mankind has ever used it's led to the the you know so many incredible advancements in the way we live and how we're able to take care of ourselves and obviously what we're doing right now is a result of science but the strength of science is that it's objective okay that's why science is so good it doesn't form an opinion you have a hypothesis but then you you test it and you test it and you test it and the result is the result that's what's great about science. It's like, you know, one plus one equals two, regardless of what your feelings about that are, we get an objective answer. Now, the problem, the, the, the problem with that is that there's no morality behind it that says, should we test certain things? Should we continue to move forward? So, like, you know, science is always asking, can we or, you know, not should we? So, like, you know, if, if I'm sitting here and I'm studying viruses, you know, this will be timely because we're in the middle of a pandemic. If I'm studying viruses and I'm a scientist and I say, God, I wonder if I can make this virus more, you know, viral. I wonder if I can make this virus that only works in animals work in humans. I wonder if I can make this virus mutate to control people's minds. I wonder if I, I mean, I could ask a million different one, you know, a million and one different questions and science never says Oh, no, 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 that doesn't sound like a good idea. Science says, let's see if we can do this. Let's test it. Let's keep going, you know? So you need to have a moral uh, foundation to pre- prevent from doing some of, these, some of these things. We look at the development of AI or, uh, you know, 
trying to live forever, you know? God, trying to live forever. I, I could see the argument for that, right? Oh, you know, we all die. You know, maybe that's not a good idea. Maybe we should just live forever because we suffer. But nobody asked the question, should we? We've never, we've never lived forever. Yeah. What is that going to do? You know, why don't we ask the question, should we? And where does that answer come from? You're not going to get the should we answer from science. You get the should we answer from spirituality. That's where you get that. You know, like, Absolutely. like okay, here's what science says. Science says, let's figure out how to make uh, life uh, painless. Let's figure out how we can make life totally challenge-free and painless. Let's make it pleasure and enjoyment all the time. That's a scientific, uh, you know, that, that, that would be a pursuit of science. You know, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Let's keep doing that. Let's see if we can. Spirituality says, should we? Is there a value in challenge, in pain? You know, so without that, science becomes, and by the way, if you start to value science as your top thing, then you start to get the religion of science, which is scientism, which then, uh, you know, I mean, look, here's the deal. You want to see how how scary science can get? Go look at the, the studies of this, the Soviet Union where, you know, their, 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 their worship was their government and science, right? And they did some terrible experiments on people and on children. And, you know, because they just, again, they never asked, should I? They, they said, can I? So I think it's valuable. It would be like eliminating art, you know, because, oh, science is all that's important. Let's get rid of art. Now, well, hold on a second. You know, maybe there's a reason why humans value some of these things. So, I mean, I'll, I'll give you another good example. If you look at, um, I was watching a. There's a series you can watch on YouTube called Free to Choose. Uh, it's, a, it's a Milton Friedman series. I, I love the guy. He's one of my heroes. It's old. It's like 1970. I want to say 77, 78, but it's super valuable. So if you can get around the, the bad quality of the video or whatever, um, it's excellent. And in one of the first episodes of it, he talks about how um, immigration was in America in the early days, uh, especially be, you know when the Industrial Revolution was taking off. And if you wanted to come to America in those days, uh, you could. There was no – nobody said you couldn't. You just showed up. And then they signed you in and then, all right, do your thing, right? And so we got immigrants from everywhere, mainly Europe, but basically anywhere. It was open for anybody. There was no help, so you're not going to get welfare. You're not going to get, you know, government. Nothing. Not, they're not going to help you. But they're not going to get in your way. You're pretty much free to do whatever you want so long as you don't steal or, you know, damage property or hurt anybody. Very little laws in that regard. You just you, you come here and you make it happen. We're not going to get in your way. So you had all these immigrants come to this country and they were from different countries. And people think, oh, they're all European. So they all had similar. They were all some. No, they weren't all similar. My gosh, especially back then, you, you know. Europeans had two world wars. You know how different they were? I and mean, we think of them now as, oh, they're just a bunch of white people. No, man, Germans, <laughs> Germans, Italians, Spanish, Portuguese, super different. They've, like, again, they went to war. They, they killed each other by the millions in the 20th century through world wars. They were not the same. They had different cultures. They had a lot of different beliefs. But they all had one thing in common. There was one common belief. Everybody who came here valued freedom and liberty, which came from most of them had a similar kind of religious background that, again, was that root. So you had all these people that came here, totally different, but they all valued the same thing. Leave me alone. Don't touch me. Don't hurt me. I'll do the same to you. And if we work together, that's phenomenal. And you know what happened? It worked great. It's like you got a bunch of different people who agreed just on one thing. 
and they all worked exceptionally well. We saw just incredible explosion in, in uh, the growth of the country, the, the most innovative country of all time. And so uh, so I think it's important that we have a moral base. Then, then we can have a bunch of differing ideas. But if we have a good kind of foundation, a moral base, uh, then this melting pot will work. And, you know, a free society is only as good as the morality of its people. So, if we, you know, because free, free, free markets give us what we want. And if we're all immoral, we're just going to get a bunch of shit that we – uh, that we think we want, and we'll end up uh, in, in pretty bad shape, I think. Mike, yeah, you mentioned uh, you you mentioned this earlier, and this is something that I've always wondered about you. Um, the 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 phrase I hear most, and the phrase I am most excited to hear from you, is "studies will show" or "studies have shown" <laughs> yeah. uh, coming out of your mouth. And I mean, I've always wondered, and I I feel like this is a a really valuable question to ask because there is so much bad information on the internet. You know, you can get information with your iPhone right now on any topic how do you how do you find the good information how do you go about looking for the good information and yeah. knowing that you can trust it that's a good question because um there, there are a lot of studies that are out there um and we let in there a lot and some of them get published with headlines and it's hard to decipher you know what's going on if it's actually relevant um if it's something that applies to you is it something you should even pay attention to um so uh, years ago, I trained a clinical um, psychologist, and she was a professor at the University of uh, Davis, and she ran lots of psychology studies. Psychology studies are really hard, by the way, to, to, uh, to perform. They're hard to duplicate, They're notoriously terrible duplicate, you know, uh, rate of duplication. And so we, were start we had this conversation about it. I don't remember what started it. And I said, how do you determine what studies are ones you should pay attention because i could read there's two different studies one says that people behave this way under these circumstances this one says the opposite thing she's like well that's a really good question and so she kind of broke down things to look for so one of them is look at the sample size sample size is how many people are studied the more people in the study the better uh, the odds are that the study will, uh, it, it, it applies. Okay. So if I study two people and, the, and, you know, I'm, I'm trying to see if the, you know, if, uh, eating dairy is healthy and I study two people and I get a hundred percent positive. Oh, study showed that, you know, dairy is very healthy. I've only grabbed two people and there's high odds that I might've grabbed two people that dairy works well for. And maybe most people aren't good with dairy, but it's, it, you can't really tell with just two people. So sample size is important. Who is in the sample? Is it, uh, you know, uh, athletic men between the ages of 20 to 30? Is it older people? Is it men and women? That makes a big difference. Who are the kinds of people that volunteer for this study? So, like, they just did a COVID uh, test, Stanford did here in, in uh, California, and what they did is they had a bunch of people show up to get a random COVID antibody test to figure out population a potential population infection rate. So they thought, okay, by testing a bunch of people, whether they were sick or not, symptoms or not, we'll be able to get a better idea of infection rate. Now, they did get a better idea, but it's still a little skewed because the people who are likely to sign up for that study, you're probably going to get more people who were like, ooh, I was sick, so let me get this study. So there's a bit of a bias there. So you got to look at the sample size, who's in the sample, who are the people getting studied. Then you want to see if it's controlled by a placebo. That means that uh, if we're testing, uh, you know, a compound like creatine that 
half the people are going to get something that looks the same, but it doesn't have creatine. The other half of the people are going to take the actual creatine because uh, there's a very strong effect that happens from getting a, a suggested you know, product. So if I tell you, hey, take this supplement, it's going to make you feel better. A percentage of people are going to feel better even if I gave you nothing. We know this. There's a strong psychological component. So is it placebo controlled? Then you want it to be what's called double blind. Double blind means the people receiving the test with the active ingredient or whatever don't know that they have the potential active ingredient. And the people administering the test don't know either. It's blind to both sides because you could also have a bias as a, as a, as a researcher. If, you're, if, you, if you know what you're giving someone, you may look at it a little bit differently. So it needs to be double blind, placebo controlled, good sample size, and then look at who's being studied. Okay, but then you also want to see how controlled it is. If I'm doing a study on diet, if the people are in a lab for 30 days and I'm giving them the food that they're eating, that's going to probably be more accurate than if they show up or they go online and give me and, and fill out what they ate and do a survey. People notoriously are inaccurate with surveys. So that's the other thing you want to look at. How controlled is the study? And then the last thing you want to look at is uh, how many studies corroborate with this particular study. So this particular study says you get this result. Okay, how many other studies have been done? And what's the consensus? Like, what are the other studies starting to say? So when you do that and you combine all of that, you get a more and more clear picture as to what the results are in the study. So that's what she taught me. Now, that's not all, though, okay? Um, you know, unless you're just the most brilliant person in the world, you're not going to be an expert on everything. You're just not. You're going to have your own biases. You're, you're, you're not going to know what to look for. Like if I see a study on exercise, I know what to look for. I know very well. That's my expertise, right? So if I see a study that says, you know, 8 to 12 reps builds more muscle in men than, you know, 1 to 5 reps, I know to look at it and say, okay, what were they doing before? How long was the study? Uh, mm -hmm. Because I know if you switch back and forth, it'll work better. If it's a novel stimulus, sure. You know, I know, I know what to look for, right? Mm -hmm. If I'm looking at a study on a drug or, you know, uh, some kind of a um, psychiatric intervention or psychological intervention, like those aren't my expertise, right? So if you want to take it a step further, here's something else that I do that is uh, it's, it's gold. I keep talking about it because I want people to do more of it. It's absolute gold. So what I try to do is I follow groups uh, on uh, Facebook is a great place to do this. I follow groups and forums that are in areas that I want to learn more about. So I may follow a, a neuroscience group um, or several of them. I may follow psychological, you know, psychology groups, or I may follow economic um, groups, or just all these different forums and groups where you know, these are all people interested in this subject. Now, why do I do that? Because you're going to get, like if you go on a fitness forum or group, fitness science, right? You're going to get a lot of, you know, people who know a lot about fitness. Just a good mm -hmm. percentage of them are fitness enthusiasts or people who work in the field or people who study fitness. You go to a neuroscience group, I'm probably going to get neuroscience PhDs and scientists and students pursuing 
neuroscience. I'm probably going to get a larger percentage of that, right? So then when I go, I go into those groups, and then here's what they do. I, I make sure that my feed is mostly these groups because I'll go through Facebook, and I'll look through the feed, and they'll show me what each of these groups are doing. And they'll post studies, and they will pick the best ones. They know what the best ones are. Like, I know what the best fitness studies are. That, those are the ones I'm going to share. I'm not going to share the stupid <laughs> ones, right? They're going to share the best studies in their respected field. But not only that, in the comments, they'll discuss and debate the study. So it's like cliff notes. I don't need to go in and break <laughs> it down and, you know, rack my brain because it's not my level of expertise and do a lot of study, you know, like learning you know, or, or going online and doing all this. I'll go in the comments and I'll see the neuroscientist debating with the PhD student. Break, they're breaking shit down that I had no idea to pay attention to. Oh, wow, that's a good point. Oh, I can see what's going on. And I learn about the study and how uh, valuable it is. It's a, it's a super awesome hack. I mean, imagine if you could walk into a room, you know, let's say you want to learn about, uh, you know, uh, psychology studies. Imagine if you walk in a room with 100 psychology, you know, fanatics and hear just, just you don't even say anything. Just hear them talk about psychology. You're going to learn way more than if you go and do it by yourself. So it's, it's a hack. I recommend everybody do it. It's like the best thing in the world. No, you're right about that. That is gold. I've never thought about doing anything like that. That's a, it's a very unique way of going about doing it. Oh, man, it's great. And I don't have to go and search nearly as much. I'll see a study that's posted. I'll read the comments about it. But, oh, this is really interesting. You know, let me, you know, let me look a little deeper. And then I learn about, you know, said study or, 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 or whatever topic. And my favorite is when there's a big study that's, that is posted in the media and, you know, it'll say something like, uh, uh, you know, like a resveratrol, you know, is great for, for longevity, right? And then you go on the forum with the experts and they're like, this is such a stupid study. Here's what it showed. It's an animal study. You know, we don't know what the animal oh, Okay, cool. Like, I know that that, that is no, just a sensational headline. You know what I mean? Mm. That's amazing. Um, so I wanted to also kind of pivot a little bit for the last, like towards the end is just, we have some people that maybe, you know, just getting into fitness, we have some, you know, clients that follow or just people that are tuning in, you know, what are some good takeaways that they can do someone that's trying to start this uh, process? I know gyms are starting to opening up again. And I know there's going to be a whole new world for the gym world. But you know, what are some key principles that people should be applying or going about, you know, handling their fitness? Yeah, that's a great question. In fact, I was thinking about that um, a lot this morning uh, during my workout. And this is something that um, it's important. It's very important because it's insidious, especially if you are experienced. Uh, it's, it's important for everybody, but it's really important if you have some experience exercising. Um, start at a lower intensity than you think is appropriate, okay? Because you will inevitably, this is just a trait amongst people, especially amongst those of us that are experienced, what we think is appropriate when we come back to the gym is nine out of 10 times more intensity, more volume than is probably appropriate. This is true for me. Like if I, like I'll give you an example. Like if I haven't worked out uh, my calves in a long time, for example, I'll pick that body part because that sucks on me. Uh, <laughs> if I haven't worked out my calves in a long time, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start training my calves real consistently again. And I'll go in, in in the gym and I'll think, you know, you know, three sets of kind of light calf raises on the machine with a little 
load and maybe a couple on the seated calf raise with just a 45 and I'll I'll feel the burn a little bit and then I'll stretch them and that, I think that should be enough for the first time in too much it's always too much the first time right so when yep. I go in there and I say okay here's what I think I'm gonna go easier and you know, and, and then I end up hitting the right amount because remember with fitness uh, there's a perfect dose the perfect dose gives you the, the best results going over that going under that gives you slower results so if you're getting back into the gym especially if you're experienced Whatever you think is appropriate, do less than that. Go less than that. Start lower than you think, and then pay attention to how your body feels, and you'll get there faster than if you go in there and say, "Yeah, you know, it's only been four weeks. I think I'll just, you know, I think I'll just go a little lighter and whatever." And next thing you know, you just you overdid it. Now you've kind of set yourself back a little bit. Unless you see someone, this rule is 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 absolutely like true, and I feel you should definitely follow it. Unless you see someone deadlifting next to you that's you know you can crush dude <laughs> <laughs> wearing the toe shoes I, i'm gonna tell you something dude it, it i i am preaching this because i know how insidious it is because it happens to me all the time all the time <laughs> it's like you need to it's like you have to it's like you need a, a level of a crazy self-awareness to prevent this from happening you know when you're when you're working you know, especially if you love like, that's why i said experience because we love the gym we love working out we love the way it feels and we want to push ourselves and it's freaking it's insidious it's like you put the music on i start putting the heavy metal on it's like my <laughs> my my logic goes out the window you know what i mean and i'm like you know break shit you know and then afterwards it's like, <laughs> afterwards like what what am i what was i doing why did i do that now, now i got it now it's like it takes two weeks to get back to you know where i was before yeah I don't, I, I don't know if this applies more to like you know to to beginners or advanced people because even for me like same thing this happened to me yesterday so what have i been doing you know i haven't been into a gym haven't been lifting heavy so i've been doing a lot of like you know uh body weight workouts you know like maps anywhere or uh, at best like the most intense intensity that i've applied is by uh, pushing or pulling a sled with uh, moderate to, to, to light weight and what do i do yesterday i said i want to start incorporating some sprints so I sprint twice for 10 seconds, and that was way too much for me, and yeah. I'm feeling it right now. Uh, like I said to, to, to these guys, my my, uh, my butt cheek is just super sore and just crazy. <laughs> why? Because I overdid it too much. Uh, I didn't even know why I, I decided to incorporate or, or push it to that to that extreme. Dude, I'll tell you, the, I've, I ha I've had few workout partners in my life because uh, I just like working out on my own. I like to monitor my own whatever, and... I'm a bit selfish, so if I work out with a workout partner, I, I tend to want them to follow my workout. But the other reason is inevitably, okay, inevitably, if I'm working out with my workout partner, I'm going to try to outlift them or push harder or I'm just going to – my logic, you know, evaporates at some point and it just happens, right? So I've only had a few workout partners in my life, but the best ones were women. Why? Because I'm not competing with them. You know what I'm saying? I'm smarter. Yeah. I'm going to go a little lighter. You know, it's funny. Adam and Justin, they, you know, they have a lot of experience working out. We've all been doing this for right around the same amount of time. And they're all privy to it, too. So when we work out, the three of us work out in the gym, we almost never lift weights together. It's like, you know, he, you guys, you're doing your thing. You're doing your thing. Because – and we've only done it, I think, twice. In, I mean, we've been working together for five years. We've only worked out two times together. And both times, it turned into a, a an ego, you know. Yeah. And we know it. We know it as we're doing it. You know, whatever. Shut it off. Let's do stupid shit. And 
it's just you know it's it's just stupid so we don't even work out together now you know what i mean you do your thing oh oh you're gonna squat i'm not gonna squat them because if i squat and you squat then we're gonna hurt something so let's just those, those two times so what did you guys work out and who won okay so the first one we did uh was the very first workout we did together we went to um this is where the studio the personal training studio that justin uh worked in and they had a sick you know layout or whatever you know bumper plates and the, and the field and the whole deal and uh, they made the mistake of letting me dictate the first exercise. Mm. So what do you think I picked? Deadlifts. Let's do some deadlifts. <laughs> so we went out there, and um, we pushed the deadlifts really hard. And I think uh, a couple of us kind of felt a little tweak or whatever. But, hey, you know, adrenaline and egos pumping. Let's go do some more shit. Of course, you know, the next guy wants to pick the next exercise. So Justin's like, let's do the sled. And we pile up the sled. And then it turned it into a – just an ego fest and you know <laughs> we had fun and stuff but i remember the next day it was like oh, so stupid why do we why don't we <laughs> go that far I, I i over put all of us were just like that was way way too much the next time we did it was we all squatted together in uh it was at the gym at uh on it this was a while back maybe a couple years into working together maybe two or three years and we squatted this is like justin's wheelhouse and um yeah justin just piling on the weight and i'm trying to keep up and again just bad it just wasn't good you know so that's it that was really those are really the only two times every other time has been like you know you do your thing i'll do my thing and we'll all you know uh we'll all do we'll all meet afterwards you know what i mean <laughs> no i think that's super important for the listeners i mean i know we're talking about you know the mistakes that and this is going to happen to everybody i think everyone experiences this year if you love it it's just bound to happen, uh, especially if you're a dude. I don't think girls feel like this type of uh, competitiveness against each other unless they're trying to outmax the other one in reps and booty, booty pumps. <laughs> but, um, but when it comes to like the new person coming in, you don't have any real true gauge. I mean, the same principle will apply. I know this a little bit new, but it's going into it with just same thing. You don't want to follow the most intense routine that you find on the online. The one that don't go and purchase the most intense routine that you find. Find something that's going to ease your way. Cut the reps and you know cut the sets down. You know uh, limit the amount of days that you may train at the beginning, and you'll notice. Because I mean, if any client that's listening or any person that has started, you know, you know that you know you did three exercises one day, and you've been out of it for a long time, or it's your first time. You don't need all that much. So it's just a good principle to follow. And I love that Sal brings that up even for the advanced people. Yeah, it's just where you get there faster, by the way. You, you want to get results faster, do the right dose. And the right dose is is the right dose. More than that is not the right dose. Lower than that, less than that is, the, is not the right dose. Anything out of that perfect zone, it just, it takes away from, the, from your progress. That's all. Um, let's see. Boys, anything else to add before we go into the next, the final round? Next. Yeah, let's do it. All right. All right. So, Sal, we want to be super mindful of your time. I know you probably have a packed day today with the boys, um, but we've been incorporating this. Uh, Justin was actually the first person that got to go through this, so we'll see how you do. All right. Um, we've, in, we've incorporated a lightning round where oh, we sure. just shoot you, you know, a couple rapid questions. You can answer them, whatever comes up top of your head. Okay. Um, ready, man? Um, yeah, let's do it. Lightning, lightning round. round. All right. So first one, what's the last study you researched? Ooh. Last study that I researched, what was it that I looked up? Um, 
I looked up a study on the effects of Sam E S A M E on uh, uh, liver health. Uh, I looked it up on uh, joint health and then on its effects on depression. Okay, interesting. That's actually pretty interesting. I, yeah. I, I feel like it was going to be down that realm, but like I didn't know it was going to go in that direction. But one strength feat that you wish you could do. Oh gosh, uh, I would. I wish I could bench press. 400 pounds i never got to 400 pounds i wish i could do that okay okay um what's the the last thing you watched on netflix um dead to me uh, season two or season Is one it good season two yeah it's really good there's a lot season of twists one, I, I really enjoyed season one yeah yes. we just started the advertisement two. for it i haven't seen it yet oh Maybe. yeah it's really good yeah um kill mary fuck adam justin and doug oh god <laughs> Jeez, uh, that's tough. Uh, I don't know, man. I'd probably bang Doug. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 Justin, because I'd rather marry Doug. Doug would be a great, he'd be a great spouse. Um, uh, I guess that leaves. Justin would get banged because he's got the cakes. So we could, you know, I could put the lights out, close my eyes. <laughs> and uh, maybe, you know, maybe it'll feel like a girl a little bit. Uh uh, I'd have to kill Adam just because we would definitely – if I didn't kill him, he'd kill me. So, All right. Uh, favorite Will Ferrell movie? Oh, old school. Old school. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Gabe, did you put that question? I did put that question. Okay. If you had to eliminate one exercise from your current program, what would it be? Oh, um, you mean one that I do a lot now anyway but that I'd eliminate? Um, he didn't specify, but just one exercise you would eliminate. I don't know if it's like just one that you don't like to do or. Well, I'll go with what I, that, uh, sorry. You can go with one that you're doing often. Yeah. Um, curls. I mean, I like doing them, but I think if I didn't do them, it wouldn't make that huge of a difference. Okay. And the most played song in the last week. Oh, oh, um, wake up, uh, rage against the machine. Okay. Nice. Not Enya. No, uh, that's <laughs> when I work out with Jessica. <laughs> um if you could be on any game show what would it be jeopardy you should have said the next level show is basically a game show oh shit yeah this one right here <laughs> <laughs> um the strangest thing you've ever eaten uh snails yeah okay i actually haven't gone that extreme the thing i'm most it, weirdest it thing weird. i've had was alligator or crocodile snails are tasty Sna yeah, I had that in uh, in Vegas. You know that's considered. You know if you have an allergy allergy to shellfish, that you probably will have an allergy to snails. Really? Yeah. Isn't that weird? That is kind of uh, weird. Yeah, I guess it kind of makes sense though. It yeah. does, right? You never yeah. think of it though. Shell. Yeah. yeah. And uh, is your favorite next level host? And I guess like I don't know. Like last time we Justin turned it into like who's the most handsome? And we're I think Gabe is really trying to prove a point here. Yeah. Why, why you always got to put me? <laughs> <laughs> you're the one that wrote the questions yeah well okay so uh, uh you know gabe's my meme dealer and i love the dude yeah I'm, I'm gonna let people in and know that you 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 hook me up with the memes but we can't tell too many people because you'll get no, not too many no 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 so he, he he's my meme dealer love it um uh john of course you've been a, a, a supporter of what we do um since the early early days um and uh, it's very, very clear that you work hard uh, and that you're, you're a hustler and you have a lot of integrity. And so you've actually earned a lot of respect um, here uh, at the, with the Mind Pump uh, team. We've actually talked about you a couple times and um, don't know the, th the, the third host very well, but I like you. You look good. 
Thank so you, basically, man. I'm the most handsome. That's I'll take it. Yeah. yeah. Well, you got well. You definitely have the nicest beard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For it's, sure. It's wonderful. Fun competition over here. Now we appreciate the kind words, Sal. Um, yeah, no I, you know, we appreciate you guys. Um, I think Jonathan's about to cry. Damn, got me a little bit in my. Head. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Sal, last question is: Where can people find you? Um, uh, on Instagram, Mind Pump Sal. In fact, I want to say this to your audience. Um, if you uh, become interested in any of the workout programs that we offer at Mind Pump, um, you can find them all at mapsfitnessproducts.com. If you like any program, if you DM me on Instagram and tell me you heard me on this podcast, so you got to let me know that you heard me here on this podcast, I will send you a half-off code for whatever program uh, that you want. And that's at Mind Pump Sal on Instagram. Of course, the podcast is Mind Pump. Um, and, uh, if you just want free information, listen to the podcast or go to mindpumpfree.com. We have a bunch of free guides on there that, that provide you with some real good stuff. And if you guys are listening to this, this is amazing value. I own basically all the programs and they are gold. So do not pass this up. Definitely shoot them a message and, uh, check out their content because you will learn so, so damn much, especially if you're someone that just wants the better overall health. Or if you're someone that's interested in taking this into a career, it's definitely worth the search in their time. Um, Sal, thank you so much for coming on, man. I truly, truly appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. Um, if the people that are coming over from your side, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you're new and you like the podcast, go ahead and please subscribe. If you're new, please leave us a five-star rating and review as well. We truly appreciate it. Follow us on our personal pages on Instagram at The Next Level Show. You can find, find me at John Alva 7 Game is at Gabe is at Prime and Glory and Mr. Mike, the most handsome again at Mike Nellis PT. Awesome. Thanks, guys.